the Prince of all peace. Uh, And now I give back to you the song that you gave to me. You are the song that I sing. I thank you, Jesus, again tonight, Lord. I bless your glorious name. Hallelujah to the Lord of all creation. He's worthy of the highest praise. Hallelujah, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Yes, he's worthy. Amen. Praise God. About a thousand tongues, I can praise him alive. Amen. He's worthy. Amen. It's so good to be in the house. It's good to have Andrew with us. Amen. Tonight, Andrew, welcome. Amen. It's good to have everybody here. Amen. We want to get right into our lesson tonight. Amen. If you have your Bibles or your handouts. Amen. I'm going to 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 17. Amen. Who can tell me what we talked about last month? A better love. Amen. Amen. We pray that you have a better love. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater that a man would. Yes. Praise God. Greater love. Amen. Having that clear understanding. Amen. So we want to talk this month about a better reason. Peter, right into the church. Amen. First uh, Peter chapter 3, verse 17. For it is better if the will of God be so that we suffer for well-doing than for evil-doing. Amen. Suffer for well-doing. Amen. Than evil-doing. Now, if you look at First Peter chapter 4, in verse 12 through 15, you got your Bibles. Amen. And we'll kick right out the gate. Amen. First Peter chapter four, verse 12. He says, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fire trials, which is to try you as though some strange thing has happened unto you, but rejoice and as much as you're becoming a partaker of Christ's suffering, that when the glory shall be revealed, you may be glad also with exceeding joy. If you be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye. Amen. For the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. On their part, he's evil spoken of, but on your part, he is glorified. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or as a thief or as an evildoer or as a busybody in other men's matters. Yet, if any man suffers a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. Amen. For the time has come, but the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God. If it first begins as us, what should be the end of them to obey not the gospel of Christ? Amen. So don't think it's strange when things start to happen to you. There's a better reason for you to rejoice. You're going to a better place. You're going to a place where there'll be no more crying. You're going to a place where there'll be no more sorrow, no more pain, no more suffering. Amen. We are headed to a better place. So there's always a better reason. Amen. Then look for and to look after when you're a Christian. Amen. We need to realize that there is a better reason. Throughout the book, the whole book of Hebrews is detail or design is called better things. If When you read the book of Hebrews, it's to encourage you, to get you to understand there's better things ahead. 
for you. As we already have covered numerous times, I have not seen 1 Corinthians 2, 9, right? I have not seen, ear have not heard, neither have it entered into the hearts of man the things which God has prepared for them that love him. But he's revealed them to us by his spirit. For the spirit searches the deep things of God. Amen. We've got to get into the deep things of the Lord. Amen. And this is what God is trying to get us to see. There's a better reason to be a Christian than not to be a Christian. There's a better reason for serving God than not serving God. Amen. People just hasn't realized it yet. See? As a Christian, we know that there are going to be those times of trials and affliction. That's why it puzzles me every time a Christian have trials and affliction. They go to the bottom of the barrel. They get all downtrodden. They get all despondent. They get all depressed. They get all low. I don't find that in Scripture. It tells you to get excited. Since rejoice. Because you're becoming a partaker of Christ's suffering. So there's a better reason for you to get excited. Because you're becoming like your dad. Can I put it that way? Paul tells the church in Philippians 4, he said, rejoice evermore. And again, I say rejoice. Let your moderations be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing but in everything with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known unto God in the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are of good report, there be any virtue, there be any praise, think on these things. Those things which you have learned and heard and seen and do in me, do it. And the God of love and peace will be with you. So don't think it's strange. You have a reason to get excited when you're going through things. See, people haven't figured that out yet. <laughs> See, it's, it's easier to pout than to rejoice. See? So we have a better reason. So we know it's going to come. The Psalmists tell us in Psalms thirty-four nineteen, he says, Many are the afflictions of the righteous. But what happens? The Lord deliver you out of them all. I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to forsake you, said the Lord. So when afflictions come, he's going to take He's going to take care of it. Amen. You just need to rejoice. Psalms 50, 15 says, Whoso offereth praise glorifieth me, and to him that order his conversation aright, will I show the salvation of God. You've got so many precious promises in the word of God. God is our refuge and strength, a very present of help in trouble. Right? Psalms 20, the Lord hear you in the day of trouble. The name of the God of Jacob defend thee, send thee help in the sanctuary and strengthen you out of Zion. Think about all the promises. See, this is why you need to rejoice. There's a better reason. Amen. That God chose you so you would be a reflection of him in the earth to a lost and dying world. Amen. So we know that afflictions are going to come. 
Paul, and we know in 2 Corinthians 12, Paul prayed and asked the Lord to take his thorn out of his flesh. What did the Lord say to him? My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in your weakness. And so what did Paul say after that? He says, okay, God, you ain't going to take it away, then I'm just going to rejoice. So Paul says, I'm going to become a fool and just glorifying God then. What better way than to get rid of stuff you're going through than to rejoice, to be excited? Got pain? Oh, what are you saying that song? Shake off those heavy bands, lift up those holy hands, let all God's people praise the Lord. You remember that? You young guys may not remember that. See, we're from the old school. <laughs> but that's the way you get rid of the problems. I think Psalms 23, he lets you know that he's your shepherd and you shall not want. And even in the valleys of the shadows of death, you shall not fear no evil. For I am with thee, that rod and thy step, they comfort me. All right? And verse 6, what verse 6 says? Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. So if mercy and goodness is right there, all I got to do anytime I need to just turn around and say, hey, guys, how you doing today? They're behind me. See? So you just need to get excited. There's a better reason. So afflictions are going to come. Solomon tells us, amen, he says in Proverbs 24.10, if thou fainest in the day, what? Adversity, thy strength, hmm, your strength is small if you quit. See? But he gives strength to me as I worship him. As my heart is filled with praise, Jesus breaks the bands. When I raise my hands, he gives glorious victory. See? We don't faint in adversity. We triumph over these things in our lives. We have been given power, according to Luke ten nineteen, to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing by any means shall hurt you or harm you. See? And that's what Micah says in Micah 7, 8. He says, Rejoice not against me, O my enemies. But when I fall, I shall arise. And when I sit in darkness, the Lord will be a light unto me. God will be there. What does Psalms 139 say? Thou, Lord, thou hast searched me and know me. Right? You know when I sit down. You know when I get up. You're acquainted with all my ways. You know, there's not a word in my tongue. Oh, Lord, you know it all together. You understand my thoughts are far off. You put me behind, you put me before, and it's too wonderful of me. I can't obtain to it. Where should I go from your presence? Or where should I flee from your spirit? If I send to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths of hell, behold, you're there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the othermost parts of the sea, even though your hands will guide me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say the darkness shall cover me, what do he say? The night shall still be a light around about me. Amen. Think about it. See, the promises of God are there for you. See, He's not going to leave you. He's not going to forsake you. So don't allow 
what you see to cause you to fear. See? You've got to always remember that it's God's people. He's with you. This is why Moses told the children of Israel in Deuteronomy 20, 1 through 4. He says, look, he says, when you go to battle, you get out there and you see that the enemy's got more horses, more chariots, and all more men and all that. He says, one, don't faint. Don't lose heart. You know, he says, don't be troubled. Don't be trembling in your boots. He says, because God is going to fight for you. So that's what we have to realize. Those same promises are for us. So it's a better reason to be a Christian and to serve God. Amen. And those times of suffering may not be well-pleasing. Therefore, we must remember that the cause is always greater than the casualty. It's always better to be a Christian and not to be a Christian. Amen. It's greater Peter goes on, he says, but if we suffer for righteousness' sake, happy are you. Be not afraid of their terror, neither be troubled, but sanctify the Lord God in your heart and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear, having a good conscience that whereas they speak evil of you as of evildoers, they may be ashamed that falsely accuse your good conversation in Christ. For it is better if the will of God be so that you suffer for well-doing than for evil-doing. Amen. See, this is why we must live holy and separated unto God in our lives. See, that's what holiness is. We're separated to God. This is why Paul told the church at Rome in the 12th chapter, he says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. See, we can't keep thinking the old way. You want to change the way you think. You you have to get into the word of God and begin to become the doer of God's word and not hearers only in order to be blessed. Say, there's a better reason for studying the word of God. Say, your answers are there to life's problems and life's situation and to success. This is why the Lord told Joshua in Joshua 1, don't ever let the law depart out of your mouth. See, if you meditate in it, you're going to be blessed. That's why the psalmsters would write in Psalms 1, blessed is the man that walketh what? Not in the counsel of the ungodly, or standing in the ways of sinners, nor sitting in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in the law that he meditate day and night. In other words, ponder. Think about it. Think on these things, see? When you read it, think about it. Think about what you read. If I was to ask you what I preached Sunday, what would you tell me? Huh? What about the stump? Huh? What, what did I say about the stump? Huh? <laughs> Leave the stump, right? Amen. We want to leave the stump and the roots in the earth so the same tree will come up again. 
See, now you were supposed to go in and ponder on that. <laughs> See, that's, that's what we have to do is we got to, we got to think about these things. Say, because God gives it to us. And so, as he said throughout scripture, consider your ways. Say, am I producing the same tree? When I spring up out of him, when I'm baptized in his name, filled with the Holy Ghost, I am to produce what? Fruit like him. I can't produce something that he's not and say I'm his. It doesn't work. That's why when you chop your garden, you're looking at beans, you're chopping around. Why don't you chop up the bean? No, you chop out the weed, don't you? Right? Because you want your bean to grow. Because that's what you plant. Right? Well, it's the same way in Christ. When we become Christ's, we are to bear the same fruit, the same character as Him. I can't bear something. That's what Jesus says. You don't get, you don't get berries off a fig tree. See? So if I say I'm a Christian, then you're not going to get evil off me. It's not his nature. It's not in his DNA. See, that's not of God. See, be ye holy for. So if I'm not holy, then am I his of the tree? Hmm. Come on. All right, we're going to dung around it and dig around it one more time until we get it right. Amen. Because that's what God desires of us. Amen. So we want to look at this better reason here tonight. Amen. And this this month, we want to look at why it's better for us. Amen. Number one or number A on your paper, why being born again is better for the world. What do you think the being born again is better for the world? Help me, somebody. You're new? Okay. Okay. You want to produce some more? Go ahead. Anybody, come on. Help me. By the way. Amen. Amen. Anybody else? Amen. Okay. Yes, Miriam. I can't hear you. You got to speak up for me. Oh, okay. I'm so sorry. I will have to get. <laughs> I'll make some next week. How's that? Can you can you hang in there with me? Okay. Good. All right. So. But the better reason that being born again is better for the world. If you stop and think about this for a moment, we know 
that to be born again of the water and the spirit, we cannot see nor enter the kingdom of God. Jesus is told that in John chapter 3, right? So if the, if everybody in the world would become born again, you're not going to have all the problems we have today. Because, like I said, it goes right back to the tree. Because, see, when we are born again of the water and the spirit, we're taking on the nature of Christ. See, and so if we're taking on Christ's character and his fruit, then the evils are not going to be there. They're going to be eradicated. This is why the devil is so busy to get you to do wrong and keep the world to do wrong. is because he don't want the world to reflect Christ in his perfection the way he created it from the beginning. See, he's doing his overtime work to destroy everything that God made. So if we can get people to be born again... They can come out of that darkness into his marvelous light and they can begin to reflect him in the earth. And as a result, you begin to produce after your kind. You will begin to witness the people. You will begin to pull people out of darkness and bring them to the marvelous light. This is why Jude tells us in Jude, amen, 22 through 25, but you, beloved, build up yourself on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. Keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercies of our Lord Jesus Christ. On some have compassion, make a difference. And others pull them out of the fire, hating even their garments spotted by the flesh. See? So to be born again gives us the zeal and the eagerness to begin to reach out to people, to bring them out of that darkness and bring them into the marvelous light. See, the world does not understand being born again. See, they think you're bad and mean because the devil keeps telling them that Christians are mean and, and evil. Say, they don't know the God that I know if they think that he's evil and mean. If God was evil and mean, why would he go to a cross so that you could live? He'd have just left us all out there where we were from the creation, you know, and sin and just wiped us all out. But what does John 3.16 say? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have eternal life. So, so if, I'm, if I come to give you life, then how can I hate you? You know, that's a past common sense test, right? The world does not understand, say, that's why Paul says, if they had known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. See, the world does not understand the purpose for the church. See, the church is designed to do good and to bring people into an understanding. This is why Ephesians 4, 11 through 15 says, he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for what? The perfecting of the saints, the working of the ministry, the edifying of the body of Christ, until we all come into the unity of the faith, to the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect land, to the fullness of the stature of Christ, that we be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine, but may grow up in the Him, in Christ, which is the head. See, the church is designed to perfect us. 
It is designed to give us the tools that we need to be successful so that we don't do all the evil and the foolishness that they're doing out there. See? God has put it there for us. Stay with me. The story of the Good Samaritan is a good example of what being born again can do for the world. Think about it. Here we go. You know, Jesus tell the parable of the Good Samaritan. He goes down to Jerusalem. man goes to Jerusalem, Jericho, fall among thieves. They beat him half dead and leave him, right? Priests pass by, passing by. Levite pass by, passing by. The Good Samaritan comes. He binds up his wounds. He puts him on his beast. He takes him into the inn. He takes care of him. Next morning, he pays for the bill, leaves some more money for the guy and says, if he costs you anything else, I'll pay it when I come back. See? That's an example of what transpires when a person becomes born again. You look for the good. You look for the things to do that is good. Why? Because the fruit of the Spirit is goodness. Kindness. Gentleness. See? You, you have to be able to see how it converts. Most of us realize where we were. <laughs> you know? I don't know about you, but I know where I was before God brought me out of darkness to his marvelous light. See? And so as a result of that, now I want to reciprocate to show his love in me to others. I want to help people to see, you know, that the church is not mean. The church is not evil. The church is just trying to show you the true church. Let me put it that way. Is trying to show people how they can be helped. See, that's why he says in, in Jeremiah three fifteen, the Lord says, "I will give you pastors after my own heart, who shall feed you with knowledge and understanding." See, people don't have knowledge. People don't have understanding. See, people are benighted. You know they. Ignorantly moral, immoral. They think I can do anything and still get away with it. No, you just create more problems and trouble. But when you're born again, say, it's better for the whole world. A true born again person don't have to, the, 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 the city don't have to worry about him going to jail. <laughs> think about it. A true born-again person, the, the parents don't have to worry about them doing wrong. See, this is why it's better for the world if we're all born again. That's why Jesus says, go ye therefore and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, and he that believeth not shall be damned. These signs shall follow them that believe in my name. They shall cast out devils. They can get them out of their lives. Tell them to get a suitcase and hit the door. (laughs) You see? So the world, they don't understand. Because true born-again people don't lie. They don't cheat. They don't steal. They don't do all the foolishness that they see doing in the world. See, at least as I say, they shouldn't. <laughs> if they is, and then I have to question their conversion. 
say? Because when you are truly converted to Christ, your love is with him. You lay on his bosom. You hear his heartbeat. Say, he speaks to you. He tells you, you, you can hear him when he says, don't do that. You can hear him saying, that's wrong. You can hear him say, don't speak like that. That's not a me. Don't go there. Don't do that. He speaks to us that way. See, if we are truly, truly born again, it's better for the world. When we're born again, God knows that's probably the people is probably glad I got born again. <laughs> you know, yeah, it's better. Look at Paul's conversion. Come with me to First Timothy chapter one, verse eight. Go to First Timothy chapter one, verse eight through seventeen. Paul, right into Timothy, his protege. Everybody there, I'll give you a second to find it in your Bibles. Or you can look up on the walls. I think they're up somewhere up there. But you want to write these down and go home and study them out again, right? Meditate on the word so you grow. Amen. But we know that the law is what? How many people you know out there in the world right now hates laws? See? Everybody's fighting to try to get rid of all the laws. You know, the law is designed to protect you. That's why laws are created. It's protected people. You know, people say, I can't believe they got all these parking spots for handicapped people. You know? Well, maybe someday when they have an accident or they break a leg and they need a handicapped parking spot and ain't none, then they probably be saying, I can't believe there's no handicapped parking spots. Well, you wanted to get rid of them. Think about it. See? But we know that the law is good. I think Psalms 19.7 says the law of the Lord is perfect. It converts the soul. It changes us. So we meditate on the law. As we meditate in the law, David said, we're going to be blessed. Because what you do when you meditate on God's word and his statutes and his precepts and his principles, his commandments, what it does is it changes you within. It's like, as James says, you're opening up a mirror. That's what this really is. You are, when you open this, you know what you're looking at? You're looking at you. You're looking at you, what you really look like right there. And you can say, well, I know a lot of times I say, well, I need to work on that one. Because <laughs> I know I'm not there on that one yet. See? And that's what it's designed to do, to perfect us. To bring us into an understanding of who he is and what he desires. So we know that the law is good if a man uses it lawfully, knowing this, that the law is not for not made for a righteous man, but for who? The lawless and disobedient. See, that's what laws are for. You know, I, you know, if I'm right, then I don't need the law. 
If I know that I'm not handicapped, then I'll, I should know not to park in a handicapped parking spot. It's not for me. That's for those people that says, I'm going to park anyhow. Yeah. I'm going to violate the law, right? Well, when the bubblegum bank's behind you in your car window, you know, and they give you a ticket for 250 bucks for driving without insurance or whatever, you know, is it the cop's fault? No, we want to say it's his fault, stupid laws. No, you know, you just violating the law. But born again believers don't do that stuff. We obeyed the law, right? Amen. Come on, stay with me. So, for the lawless and the disobedient, for the ungodly and for sinners, for unholy and profane and wicked, for murderers of fathers and murderers of mothers, for manslayers, for whoremongers, for them that defile themselves with mankind. That sounds familiar today. For manstillers, for liars, for perjured persons. If there be any other thing that is contrary to sound doctrine, according to the glorious gospel of the blessed God, which was committed to my trust. And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who have enabled me, for the he counted me faithful, put me into the ministry, who was before a blasphemer and a persecutor and an injurious, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was exceeding abundant with faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus. This is a faithful sin and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Howbeit, for this cause I obtain mercy that in me, first Jesus might show forth all long suffering for a pattern to them which should hereafter believe on him to live everlasting. Now unto the King eternal, immortal, invisible, to the only wise God be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Notice what Paul is saying here. He counts himself, you know, because God pulled him out of the world. We know Paul's life. He says, I was a blasphemer. I was a murderer. When, when God met Paul on the, on the road to Damascus in Acts 9, what was he doing? He was heading to arrest Christians. See, he was hurting people. He was bounding them. He was killing people. When you get to the end of Acts 7, he's standing at Stephen's death when they stone him. See, he was consent to Stephen being killed because Stephen was a Christian. But notice in Paul's life how being born again can change a person for the betterment. See, he's an example. That's what he's saying here. He's an example of what being born again can do to a life. You can be a murderer. You can be all kinds of things. But when you're truly born again, it changes your way of thinking and your way of life. And as a result of that, you begin to live for God. You begin to reflect Him in the earth. And as a result of that, others begin to question Man, what happened to you? Now you have to be ready to give an answer of the reason that is in you. Now you have a better reason in you to tell people what has transpired. 
in your life. Amen. Your testimony of how God brought you out, how God delivered you. This is why when you read Paul's account in the books and the epistles in the book of Acts, all he's doing is recounting what God did to him. Amen. And how God changed his life and how he's trying to instruct the churches how they should live now. Amen. To reflect Christ the same way because why? They're born again. And if you say, I'm born again, you have no right, amen, to present the world anymore to a lost and dying world. You're not going to pull the world out of the world. You know, this is what Jesus says. If Satan cast out Satan, what is that? See? The devil ain't going to cast out himself. You're not going to pull people out of the world by acting like the world. I'm going to tell you right now. <laughs> it don't happen. See? They need to be able to see something different. So, what is the reason that you dress the way you dress? What is the reason you go to church? What is the reason why you don't drink, party, and do all these things? Be ready to give an answer. Be ready to share with them what God has did for you. That's why when Paul in Acts 17, they said, well, we're going to see what this blabber will say today. They asked him a question. He says, well, I'll tell you what, I beheld your devotion. <laughs> I saw an inscription here to the unknown God. I'm going to declare him to you. And he began in a loving way to declare Jesus Christ. We must have an answer. There's a better reason to go to church than to go to the club. There's a better reason to read my Bible than to sit in front of the television watching shoot them up and killing and perversion. There's a better reason, amen, to devote my time to prayer and to God than to sit there watching all the filth. There's a better reason to get up and walk away. I think Paul put it this way, flee. Some things you got to run. You know, some other times you may have to stand. Some other times you just got to pray. But there's a better reason. Amen. To do what you're doing than not to do what they're doing. But not in a mean way. You let your light shine, Jesus says, so that when they ask you, you are ready. To give an account or an answer for every man that asks to hope this in you. Are you afraid to share the truth? Are you afraid to tell them what God has done for you? Amen. I got saved on a Sunday and I walked right back into my office on Monday. Amen. And they knew something that was different. And when they started asking me, I did push everything to the side and just start telling them what God has did. You know, because they could see it. They knew who I was. I mean, they believe me. They knew who I was. And when I came to work on Monday morning, I mean, they could see that something totally was 100% different. And they says, what happened to you? Let me tell you who Jesus is. <laughs> He's the wonderful counselor. <laughs> 
He's the everlasting Father. <laughs> he is the Prince of Peace. Amen. Praise God. So Paul lets us know, amen, that uh, about his life. He was a persecutor. He was crucifying people. Amen. But now he's chosen by God to be an apostle to the Gentiles. You know, think about it. I would have never thought I'd been a preacher. I never would have thought I'd been a missionary. I never thought I'd have been doing the stuff that I'm doing. Not the track that I was on. You know, not the road I was walking down. I might have been one of Satan's chief angels <laughs> at the point I was. I wasn't too far off, you know. But thanks be to God. As the psalmster says, he brought me out of that miry clay and set my foot upon a rock and established my goings. Amen. That's what being born again will do. Amen. I got a lot of friends that's preachers that will tell you, amen, they've been shot up. They've been drugged up. You know, but God and his mercy and long suffering towards us. Amen. You can't get away from his mercy. Is new every morning. Amen. He's long-suffering. He's just waiting for us to become like the prodigal son and say, I need to go home. And watch and see what God will do in a life. Amen. 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 7. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1 through 7. If I don't get through this piece tonight, then I'll do it next week. Amen. This know also... That in the last days, perilous times shall come. Amen. Second Timothy 3. Am I in there? Yeah, Second Timothy, not first. Thank you. I, this know also that in the last days, perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemous, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, and continent. Forest, despises those that are good, traitor, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof from such turn away for this sort of they which creep into houses and lead captive silly women, laid with sin, led away with diverse lust, ever learning and ever able to come to the knowledge of the truth. See, that's where we are right now in this world. Okay, pride, arrogancy, without natural affection. You know, you can see natural affection going crazy without natural affection. You know, people are getting rid of their kids, aborting their kids, all these things. That's without natural affection. See, for pleasure. People leave their kids home by themselves for pleasure. You know, all kinds of things they do for pleasure in these last days because they don't realize the value of the kids without natural affection. Truce breakers. Look at all the people that are, you know, breaking truces in countries that has been helped. They promised to do and to support, but they now they're going away. People are not thankful. Thank you. you. You give somebody something, they want something else. 
You know, they're not thankful for what they have. They're unholy. Think about it. Amen. False accusers. Everybody is, <laughs> I think the president called it false, <laughs> fake something, you know, but there's so much false stuff going on now. False accusers. People accusing everybody. You know, they could say to Sister Sue, you know, you're prejudiced. You know, accusing you of being prejudiced. You know, they, they, that's what they're doing. They're just calling everybody, you're prejudiced or whatever. You know, I never met you before in your life. That's false accusing people. See? Jesus says what? You will reap what you sow. Because somebody else is going to turn it around. But this is where we are in the last days. And this is why we need people to be born again. Because God is no respecter of persons. See? His church is not divided. His, his kingdom is not divided. See? It needs to be stronger in these last days. And this is why we need to follow his principles and draw into a relationship with him. When we are born again, amen, when we say we're his, we need to reflect him in everything that we do. This is why being born again is better for the world than not being born again. Amen. It's important. Go, Paul goes on. Amen. I mean, Peter, Second Peter 3, verse 8 through 18. But, beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but what? That all should come to repentance. See? I believe the reason God haven't destroyed the world the way he did Sodom and Gomorrah in the early, early first time is because he's long-suffering. He's trying to give everybody an opportunity to come to the realization of the truth and turn around. So he's not willing that people should perish. He don't want people to be destroyed. Amen. But people are going to do it on their own. They're not going to have a reason to say in the end, well, I didn't know. You know? So we need to be born again of the water and the Spirit. We need to grow, Peter says, in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Grow, grow, grow. Amen. Think about it. Where are you in your relationship? Born-again people grow. They get rooted and grounded in the Lord. They have an understanding of who He is so that they have the answer to the reason so that when they were asked of them. That's why Paul told Timothy, he says, And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifested in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached to the Gentiles, believed on in the world, and received back up in the glory. And Jesus says, I'm going to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. So we have a better hope. We had a better place we are going to. 
It's better to be born again than to not be born again. It's better, amen. Praise God. And you need to be able to explain to them why it's better to be born again. Just to say, oh, you need to be born again. People says, I'm already born again. I came out of my mother's womb. I was born again. That's not what the scripture is talking about. You know, people say, I've already been baptized. I, you know, but are you born again? Paul says in Romans 6, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. No, you're not. There's so many of us who was baptized into Jesus Christ. We were baptized into his death. That like as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we should be also in the likeness of his resurrection. Sin does not have dominion over you anymore. So if we can get people to be born again, Sin is going to, you're going to see sin moving away. All these things that Timothy, Paul told Timothy is happening now in the last days, they can be eradicated in people's lives. Amen. If they become truly born again, if they truly repent of their sins, if they are truly baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost and walking in newness of life and holy and separated unto the Lord, it's going to make a whole lot of difference in the world. You can go to bed at night and sleep peacefully. You know why? Because he will keep you in perfect peace whose mind is stayed upon him. Amen. You can wake up in the morning and say, hallelujah, what a thought. Amen. You don't have to worry about the visions in your head on the bed. (laughs) Amen. You will have the peace that passes all of us in. Amen. We're going to stop there. Amen. Tonight. And we are going to pick up again. Amen. Next Wednesday night in this lesson. Amen. And I will make some copies for you that don't have them before I leave here. Amen tonight. Amen. Praise God.